0: Hello everyone, um, well, welcome to this uh, podcast and today we have an um, a, a ma- amazing guest called Gina and her company called, called Glaze. So yeah, hi hi, Gina, um, how, how are you doing today?
1: Hi Simon, I'm great, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, um, so let's start off with uh, a general background of yourself and your story on getting from where you are to where you are right now, where you were to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, Yeah, sure. Uh, So a bit of background about me. Um, I'm basically from Lebanon. That's where I was born and raised. Um, I went to university there. And then after I graduated, I didn't want to stay in Lebanon because it's not a country where you have a lot of opportunities. And so I decided to leave, and uh, I moved to France, um, where I did my master's. And after um, my master's degree, I wanted to kind of, you know, start my professional career. And I think I probably had the same line of thought to anyone else who's graduating from a good university, which is typically, okay, you either go into management consulting, or you become an investment banker. So I chose to become an investment banker um, and I joined the uh, Goldman Sachs initially in Dubai uh, as part of the investment banking team that covers the MENA uh, region. And then I did my analyst years there and then I moved to London and I was part of the industrial team. And then basically after about spending, um, I would say a year in London, I started kind of itching to get out and I, I was feeling very uninspired and I was almost having an existential crisis where I was looking around me and I was feeling very uninspired. I looked at my boss and my boss's boss and I knew for sure that I just didn't wanna be them. Um, and then I started kind of exploring other opportunities that again are quite typical for people um, after investment banking, like PE, like VC, like uh, hedge funds, etc. And again, none of that was terribly exciting for me. So I decided to take a bit of time off and think about what I truly wanted to do. And every time I kind of started brainstorming, I would land on, you know, the idea of building a startup. um, And it would be specifically focused on like consumer and something that solves a female problem almost, because I needed to kind of relate to whatever it was that I was building. And I felt like I needed to be the consumer of the business that I was building primarily, um, because that's what I was comfortable with. So I, um, I basically had kind of two areas that I was excited about. The first one was sustainable fashion, and the second one was um, nail care, and this is eventually what became glaze. But I had kind of a main challenge I would say and that was that I didn't necessarily have a background in building products and so I felt like I needed a co-founder and I didn't necessarily know where to start there Uh, so I decided to apply to an accelerator program um, called Antler here in London and I joined the program in March of last year just before the pandemic hit and I think it was probably the best environment for like VCs and for startups. And then everything, of course, started melting away with the uncertainty of COVID. Um, but anyway, I um, that's where I met my co-founder uh, and we developed the idea of uh, Glaze together. And after about 10 weeks of building the idea, forming a team, uh, validating it with customers through surveys and focus groups, we got to pitch to the investment committee at Antler, um, and they decided to invest uh, in us at pre-seed. So that's pre-product and pre-real traction beyond, you know, of course, people telling you, yeah, I would be interested in product X, Y, Z. Um, and so we, that's really when the journey began, I would say. We, we registered the company in June, and we started developing the product. We started building the tech. Uh, we started building the brand and and a bit of an Instagram following as well um, and everything you know is being done remotely, um, in in a crazy environment, especially with so much disruption to the supply chain and um, and whatnot, right? So it's been it's been a hell of a journey um, filled with with challenges, but also super exciting and a lot of learning um, along the way.
0: Wow, oh, that's that's very. Very in- interesting, and and there's something that I I picked picked out upon there that might uh, relate to some some students, especially if they're doing finance and looking to go into management consultancy and investment banking at uh, prestigious uh, banks like Goldman Sachs, which, which you uh, where you you worked at, and um, what what, what was the reason why you? Uh, felt uh, uninspired in in the bank?
1: I think it was a variety of reasons. I think that's a really good question, um, which not a lot of people have asked me. Um, Even when when some people were kind of witnessing my um, almost breakdown, I would say. I think, first of all, I felt like I was working too much without necessarily getting as much out of my experience. So for instance, when you're starting off in investment banking, I think the learning curve is incredible because the environment is so challenging because you're being exposed to, you know, senior clients. um, And there's a lot to learn in the early days, right? But I think as you kind of go along, the learning curve starts to plateau And that's, I think, what was happening with me. I felt like my learning curve was plateauing a little bit, but my hours were still like crazy. Um, And so it just didn't make sense to me anymore. And also, whenever I had time to reflect, which was not very often on the job, I would ask myself, okay, well, I'm working a lot. I have no life, essentially. I have no weekend. But why am I doing this? And I had no answer to to the question it's like I had run out of a plan and I didn't know what was next and I was just it's very similar to being you know the the hamster in the wheel where you're just running and running and running and running in circles and you're exhausting yourself but you're not really going anywhere so so that's really why I think I was feeling quite uninspired yeah
0: wow wow is is that the same for most uh, investment banking uh, companies, you think?
1: I mean, I think um, top tier banks are probably very similar. I think Goldman specifically has a bit of a you know, notorious culture, I would say. I'm not sure if you saw the latest um, analyst presentation uh, that was put together. Um, basically people were analysts essentially were summarizing their working hours and the findings were not very, you know, good to say the least. Um, so yeah, that, that I think came out like a week ago. So I think that the environment generally is very brutal um, in all banks and, um, and the, you know, the, I, I would say the better, the name of the bank, the more brutal it gets. But yeah, I think it's, it's an industry wide um,
0: phenomenon, right? That that's interesting, actually, because because uh, just very recently I also seen a new newspaper article saying that, uh, that investment uh, bankers don't really have much work uh, work like balance. Just exactly what you have just uh, described to us just now. So that's that's uh, very good to hear, and it's probably something to take take note of. In, uh, yeah. We go into like this this kind of uh roles yeah Um, yeah
1: I mean I think I think for students listening um you -hmm. know I think it's a great place to start as long as you kind of have a plan I would say because you do learn a lot and whether that's investment banking or management consulting you almost learn you know you learn a combination of things you learn discipline you learn How to act in a professional environment, which sounds weird, but, you know, a lot of young startup people don't necessarily know that. They don't necessarily know um, how to speak to investors, for for instance, how you build a financial model, which, of course, is super relevant for the startup world. So what I'm trying to say is I learned a lot from my experience, but I knew that I, I, I don't regret being there. On the contrary, I think it was amazing. Uh, but at the same time you almost need to know why you're doing it beyond just applying for a job that you know is competitive and you know pays well and taking it just for that
0: Mm, right 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 that that definitely a thing thing to think of i i i personally have also seen like a lot of people trying to apply for this this competitive role and uh some, some of the opinions that I, I listen I'm not sure if this applies to Iran it's again because of the I guess the name as well as the the money that you you mentioned so yeah yeah um, you you say that you're learning plateaued after a few years is it because yeah. you have nothing to learn and you are doing the same thing generally or what um
1: to a certain extent. I mean, there's always stuff to learn, but it's just a lot less I think when you're stuck in in the junior associate phase, I would say, where you're like not necessarily fully client facing, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you know what analysts are supposed to do and you've kind of mastered that and you basically check their work. So yeah, there's definitely an element of plateau but you still kind of get to work on different deals and every deal is different. So there is still a bit of learning, but not as much as the early days when you're trying to kind of absorb everything. Mm,
0: I see, I see, I see. So, so it's the only way to, I guess, learn Learn more is to get get promoted? Is that the only way you think?
1: Um. Yeah, or just leave and do something else, to be honest. I mean, I think... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, in in the startup world, it's, um, it's, it's, I would say it's even more challenging. And if you think that, you know, the hours get better, actually they don't. What gets better is the fact that you know that you're only putting in the work that is necessary as opposed to things like client service, which people ask you to do at like midnight and that you know are not important. I think that's the frustrating bit about, Investment banking versus you know, building your own startup. You're almost you know, the master of your own universe, but that's, that comes with both pros, but also cons, because it's a lot more liability at the same time, right? Whereas in banking, when you know you have a day off, um, which happens every so often, you feel like, okay, it's your day off and you can fully enjoy it. Whereas when you're building your own startup, you can never switch off, ever. Like, even when you're trying to relax on the weekends, you feel like okay, something stresses you out, and then it's kind of penetrated your brain, and uh-huh. now you can't stop thinking about it, and you even feel guilty about switching off.
0: Mm, I see, I see. <laughs> uh, uh, kind of that's, that's almost like me when I was uh, thinking about, I guess, uh, mo- moving forward in my, in my career career life as well, so I definitely <laughs> And relate to that and, mm-hmm. yeah and you mentioned about about your company that you're combining uh, both technology and gel at the same time uh, do you want to yeah. talk to us more like, deep, deeper about that
1: yeah of course um, perhaps I can start with with the problem first so people can get a sense of why we're doing what we're doing um, so if you think about the nail care industry traditionally, um, you have almost kind of two ways of, of getting your nails done as a woman. You either um, do them at home or you go to the salon. And then within that, you either opt for like regular nail polish or you can go for gel. I guess to start with nail polish, the, the key issues there is that one, it takes a bit of time to apply cause you're applying layer by layer with a, with a brush. That's quite a manual process. And then the, the, the dry times are also not great. So you have to literally sit idle for at least 20 minutes until the gel, sorry, until the nail polish has dried up. And at the same time, the quality is, is not great and it's quite unpredictable. So your nails start chipping, especially if you're doing them yourself at home, typically within, you know, two, three, four or five days, it depends on the nail polish. And um, so it doesn't really give you um, a good manicure for very long. And a lot of women also struggle with with painting their own nails, because, for instance, if you're a righty and you're trying to paint your right hand with your left hand, you struggle a little bit with controlling the brush, right? So that's on the one hand. And then if you look at the chemicals that go into these products, they're also quite toxic and, and they still very heavily rely on things like microplastics and petrochemicals. And that hasn't changed since the invention of nail polish. On the other hand, there's gel, which is which solves some of the problems of nail polish, like for instance, durability. So a lot of women prefer to get gel treatments because uh, you get uh, longer wear out of them. So instead of chipping after five days, they chip after, well, they last for about two, two weeks, essentially, at least. Uh, but at the same time, the removal is quite, um, a brutal process. um, And oftentimes a lot of women end up getting their nails damaged, especially if you're not going to a great salon. So there's ups and downs um, to both of these approaches, but both of them take time. Both of them are kind of made up of petrochemicals, of materials that are not necessarily good for the nails. um, And it just hasn't changed for the longest time. So essentially what we're trying to do is uh, to make nail care smarter and uh, that's by incorporating technology um, into it. Uh, so the way it would work is we ask people to submit images of their hands on a standard sized card. And then we use that to size up um, people's nails so that you have the mask and the entire parameter. Uh, and then essentially we, we cut gel sheets according to those parameters that we pull through computer vision. And what you end up receiving is what, what we call uh, made-to-measure gels, which is essentially like a sticker, but it's made of real gel that is sized exactly to your nails. So you, as a customer, peel it off, you stick it on, and then you're good to go. And then when you're ready for a change, again, you just peel it off. So it's, it's a lot quicker. It saves you time. And you're not binding um, the UV gel to your nails, which gets quite harmful. And instead, you're just sticking a medical adhesive layer onto the nail. And um, so, so, yeah, it's, in a way it's kind of solving a lot of the pain points that women have with nail care, particularly around the time and effort required um, to get a proper manicure. And then we're also working on an exciting thing, which is essentially replacing the petrochemicals um, within the formulation of gels with um, with a bio based one.
0: Wow, wow! I, even though I'm a, a man myself, I can feel the pain of uh, trying to uh, do do your nails, having to wait, and then uh, having your nails uh, potentially uh, being destroyed in the process as well. I can feel that that's. Uh, really painful. <laughs> but, uh, you said something really interesting where you just uh, put, put on the gel onto your nail uh, and then take it off just like how you change change your clothes. Is it just that easy?
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's how I think about it. Um, and that's where we want to take it. We want it to be as easy as literally putting on a shirt and taking it off just before you hop in the shower.
0: Wow, that that would be the dream indeed. <laughs> yeah. is, is your company, uh, I mean, is the product out, out there already or?
1: So we are uh, still kind of finalizing the product. So we're still um, in, I would say the late prototype stage where we're testing with a small uh, group of users and we're getting there. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes open because hopefully we're gonna be launching soon.
0: <laughs> All right. So how, how, how has the results been going in that small focus group?
1: Um, I mean, so far so good. It's, it's a bit of a journey, I would say, where you can't get to the, to the perfect product from the first try. Mm-hmm. So you need to continue iterating, whether it's the quality of the adhesive uh, to get you to those two weeks, you have to start with like two days and then eventually work upwards, for instance, which is what we've been doing. Um, And then there's always a trade-off. I mean, product development really involves a lot of trade-offs. You can never get everything. You have to choose what is the most important thing to achieve for your customers first. And then when you get that, you start optimizing and iterating. So, yeah, so far the the feedback has been good. And whatever issues have popped up are issues that we're already kind of working on fixing ourselves. So, like, no surprises, um, I would say, is the good thing about this process so far.
0: Nice, nice. That That's good to hear. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we are all all excited about, about that. Um, not, not, not quite for me at the, uh, at the moment because uh, I don't really use it, but I can imagine that uh, the, this woman uh, out there, especially uh, we are coming out, out in lockdown and I'm pretty, pretty sure a lot of people would be like uh trying to get, get hold of your product and really, yeah. In that. <laughs> um so uh the does your experience in the past uh, help you in most or even all aspects of your business or is just the finance uh part of the business i know you said a little bit uh a little bit about that just now but uh is there anything anything else in your opinion
1: um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it teaches you a lot of discipline, and, and it teaches you a certain work ethic, which you start realizing that not a lot of people have, especially in the startup environment. Um, and also, I think it's very important to kind of um, know how you pitch to it to investors beyond just the finance, right? I think because you're exposed to it on a daily basis in investment banking, it's, it's definitely a skill that you pick up without almost knowing because you are always dealing with investors within investment banking. And so you know how they think, you know what they're looking out for. So if for instance, you're fundraising for your startup, uh, you you already kind of anticipate and have a better sense of these questions. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I think it's been it's been very helpful um, for me.
0: The, the CEO, um co-founder has uh, similar experience and skills as you or does he bring? Not at
1: all actually Um, he comes from a science background so he's a scientist and he comes from a product development background as well Mm -hmm. so he previously uh, designed a medical device so we come from very different worlds uh, Mm -hmm. but that's why it works as well because we're very complementary.
0: Ah right so so he deals with mostly on the product development and then you deal with... By, uh, financial side as well as a, a bit of the product development, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So does th- traveling around the world help or spark anything inside, inside of you that led you to this business? Um,
1: I think, yes. Uh, I think the fact that I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I come from Lebanon, which is a really small country and it's a bit of a bubble but I've been fortunate enough to kind of live in different countries. So I lived in Dubai, I studied in Paris, and now I live oh. in London. So it's um, it definitely adds, um, I would say, a different kind of perspective to things, and it makes me a more international being almost. Um, and I think what also helps beyond just traveling is working in an environment like Goldman, for instance, that is extremely internationalized. So even if you're a team of, let's say 50 people, the chances of these 50 people coming from, let's say 30 countries is really, really high. So you get to interact with um, a lot of different cultures. You get to see people, Operating differently in terms of like work styles because of where they come from, for instance. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, I would I would recommend it a hundred percent.
0: And anything, uh, anything specific that you learn by being so so international?
1: Um, I mean, I think you learn how to um, interact. Um, with people in a better way and in a smoother way. And you learn a lot about different cultures and what for them is considered rude, for for instance. For instance, you know, if you're living in London, a lot of people don't like to talk about money um, or um, a lot of people don't like to talk about their emotions, for instance. So you have a lot of bottled up um, negative emotions sometimes that doesn't necessarily come out. And so if you're someone that's really blunt and direct, sometimes you come across as rude, even though you're just kind of telling them how you feel. Um, so, yeah, it's about, you learn how to kind of navigate um, different cultures and learn what is acceptable and what is not acceptable for certain people. Um, and I think that's that's tremendous. Um, yeah.
0: It's, it's the only way to learn is uh... By trial and error you think
1: i think so yeah i mean uh, i i'm a big believer in baptism by fire which is essentially you know throwing yourself out there and 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 learning from your mistakes definitely
0: i see that's very good advice um (laughs) so lastly uh before before we end the podcast what do you think (laughs) is the future and that uh what, what should students put more focus on on in their life other than their studies and exams?
1: Yeah I mean I think um, if we, if we take a step back and if I look back at my experience for instance, I I would have loved to kind of have a mentor who would tell me to almost follow my passions as opposed to, just taking the traditional route of, you know, investment banking or management consulting just because it's challenging or just because it pays well or because it's, you know, it's a a competitive environment. And so I think if students have the opportunity to kind of explore what they truly care about more as opposed to just focusing on academics and getting job interviews, preparing for the job interview blindly, I think that would help them potentially avoid having these existential crises uh, mm-hmm. uh, about fulfillment and your path and whether what you're doing is worth it. Um, that's, that's on the one hand. And then the other thing that I wish I knew um, when I was studying and something that I would have probably done a little bit differently is learn more about um, technology and specifically coding. So right now, obviously, you know, my my startup is a tech-enabled business. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I feel like there's a lot that I don't know and I'm a bit out of my depth when it comes to like understanding computer vision. And I feel like I'm almost inhibited by that. So if I had allocated more time to kind of learning how to code when I was younger and I had more time, then that probably would have helped me um be better at my current job um, and also potentially identify um, opportunities and, and gaps in the market earlier because you just you fundamentally understand how something works so those are kind of the two things that I would um, advise people to do based on my own mistakes almost
0: oh wow wow um, what suggestions do you have for uh, for students to find, find their passion? Because I feel like this is kind of very subjective and kind of hard to find out, right?
1: Yeah. Um, you mean how they can find their passion or? Yeah. Um, I think what we don't do, and I think as, as, as human beings enough, uh, especially the younger generation and myself included, I think we don't necessarily reflect enough, and um, so we're constantly trying to do things. Um, and you're filling up your schedule, even when you're when you're relaxing, you're always on your phone, you're on like TikTok or Instagram, or uh, you know you're you're constantly doing things, and you're never really just sitting by yourself and 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 you know being accompanied by your thoughts almost. Um, and I think people need to kind of do that more. And I'm the first one that needs to do that more, to be honest, uh, because I think that's the only thing that allows you to really dig deep and understand what you're interested in and what, uh, what you're not interested in, which is equally as important, I think. You just need to kind of take the time to reflect away from the noise and away from, from all the distractions, which are ever growing.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, distracted by a lot of uh, social media stuff, uh, LinkedIn, and definitely yeah. YouTube. I think that's uh, that's yeah. before for everyone. So definitely, definitely, definitely uh, so and maybe
1: one more one more piece of advice I would say because I know that you know the startup world is, is trending these days, and a lot of people. Uh, especially young people want to take that path before they, um, before they graduate, or like as soon as they graduate, etc. I, I would say and this maybe contradicts a little bit what I was saying earlier about you know my path, um, but I definitely think that there is a balance between going out and doing your own thing, but also learning discipline and humility. Um, by working for someone else. I think working in a big organization uh, under challenging circumstances teaches you a lot. And it's not something that you're able to learn um, on your own if if your first work experience is your own startup. Because you're going to be making a lot of mistakes because you have no exposure to um, a proper environment. right? And so I would say there's a balance between, uh, between both worlds and I would encourage people to at least you know do internships in big organizations and startups so that they know where they fit better as opposed to just being blinded by the idea of oh, I want to become an entrepreneur because it sounds sexy. It's <laughs> really tough. It's really, really tough. and if you really if you're really passionate about something that you want to fix or, a problem that you want to solve Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just be wary that it's not all sexy and it's 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 a lot of work and it's really stressful and and there's a lot of uncertainty as well so make sure you're kind of getting into it for the right reasons
0: Wow. yeah yeah honestly honestly I think I have also thought thought about uh doing doing uh something like this and I also Mm -hmm. um uh BBC news where a lot, a lot of people are also a lot of young people during during lockdown, especially mm-hmm. uh, creating all those, uh, all those business and then they, they are kind of successful. So that's kind of uh, Attracting me to to go in there as well. And, and yeah, def- definitely agree with the, the part where we should uh, take internships, uh, working with someone to uh, to, to learn more, which is uh, what I'm trying, trying to do now. Uh, so- yeah, I
1: think the thing that you, know, you don't see in the media, um, especially when you're reading about startups and entrepreneurs, you don't really see the failed businesses and the horror stories. You're only reading about the successful people or you're only seeing the startups that go on and raise money. But the reality is that the majority of startups fail. And I think that needs to be emphasized more to younger people, similar to how, you know, if you're investing in in a startup on, you know, like a like a crowdfunding platform, right? They tell you you need to be aware of the risks and the, the potential rewards, et cetera, right? So it's I think it's a very similar thing that needs to happen in the startup world for young people who are interested in in starting their startup. They need to be aware of the pros and the cons and the ups and the downs and, and the risks that are involved, because there's definitely a big opportunity cost around going for your own startup, as opposed to building, let's say, years of experience or some savings before you go out and do your own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I also, uh, I've also seen like the statistics where it says uh, 95% of businesses uh, fail in, in history so that that really, yeah. really relates to what you were talking about yeah, yeah. Um, so so I guess uh, that, that's the end that's the end of the of the podcast uh, do you have uh, any final words for uh, students uh, startups or even VCs before we end the podcast here
1: um, I mean I think it's basically just summarizing what I've said which is essentially you know Make sure you take time to reflect um, on, on your path and on what you wanna do. And um, don't blindly choose a career path because it sounds sexy, whether it's investment banking or management consulting or the startup world. Um, and yeah, take take time to, to think about all of these things because it may feel like you know, you're taking your time, but you have your entire life almost waiting for you. So it's kind of worth just taking a step back as opposed to, um, I guess, cracking under pressure, especially when you feel like, okay, you've just graduated and now you have to figure out what you want to do. It's okay to take a step back and reflect. Uh, so don't freak out, relax, you'll figure it out. Uh, as long as you know that you're you're picking something for the right reasons. Mm,
0: yes, yes, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm sure our, our audience have uh, have, uh, have gained a lot of insights as well as a lot of uh, advice from from uh, G- Gina yourself. And yeah, thank 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 you so much for your for your time, Gina. And uh, we will be very uh, excited for your for your products uh, to to come out in into market very soon, especially for for those women out there.
1: thank you so much thanks for having me and best of luck
0: all right thank you bye everyone
1: bye